Hello and welcome to Radio Winden. Hello. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm the mailman. I have mail. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was literally just about to say, how are you? But we just spent two hours talking before we recording. Did. So yeah. <laughs> I know how you are. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <laughs> I mean, it is a good question because do I know how I am? You know who you are, how you are, where you are. No. None of those things are. actually. No. Barely know no. where I am, frankly. Uh. <laughs> Planet Earth would be nice. <laughs> Hello, I'm the mailman. I have mail. Do you guys want to hey. touch some emails? We yes. have a few. We have a few today. Yes, Andy. some beefy ones. So before you do that, oh, we just wanted to update you all that we are, we have realized. I, I think the last episode we said coming up was going to be sick mundus, but in doing our research, we've realized these end game episodes. We want to give 110 percent, which we've given to every episode prior to this. So we're going to take two weeks to do all of our collect all of our research for these bigger episodes as we're approaching the end of the series here and in between we're going to have radio witness for you so we'll still have something for you to listen to every week it's just going to be divvied up that way so that we can give 110 percent. so sick mundus is next week and then a radio wind in and then the episode after that and you get the idea all right go ahead mailman okay so first i would like to say that we heard back from kel yes remember kel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah So Kel sent us another wonderful email, and I won't read all of it, um, but there were a couple of points that Kel wanted to uh, quickly talk about, one of which that she did not wish to imply that anyone who joins a cult would be weak-willed. And she clarifies in saying that she felt that there weren't strong reasons given in the show as to why Francisca and uh, Magnus were chill with being in Sigmundus. So she just wanted to say that she didn't wish to imply that anyone who joins a cult is weak-willed and that rather she was just trying to say that she didn't feel that there were strong reasons given in the show why they would all form a cult around Jonas, um, especially after Bartosh outs him as being Adam and having killed Marta. So she did feel that there there was a little bit of an inconsistency, I guess, there uh, in terms of what the show was portraying for those characters and why they made that decision. Okay. Yeah. I think um, where we kind of landed with that, as far as an explanation goes, is like they're really just stuck in this time period. They don't have anything else to do aside from assist. And at a certain point, they may have started believing the story and just working with Jonas in his Adam plots, because after a while of doing something, you just start to kind of believe it, right? Yeah. There's also just many different levels to that. You know, trying to find a logical reason why you would join a cult is not the same thing as there being a logical reason as to why this person joined a cult or Mm -hmm. consistency, as it were. Um, I appreciate, you know, Kel writing back to make the distinction that they don't have to be weak willed to join a cult. But I think that um, in their sake, at least what we saw with some of the other members, it was kind of, well, I'm here anyway. Yeah. So let's hope he's right. Yeah. What else am I going to do? Yeah, exactly. I kind of felt that as well, that I can definitely see where Kel's coming from in terms mm-hmm. of not having a specific explanation for why they would choose to believe this stuff. Whereas yeah. I think like with Elizabeth, it made a little bit more quote unquote sense narratively. Yeah. However, I, I totally was on board with the idea that, hi, 
we're in a different time now and there's literally yeah. nothing that we can do about it. And this guy's telling us that he can help us. So I feel like I, it was enough that I bought that. And the in that world has turned upside down. We, we've time traveled. So everything yeah. that I thought I knew is wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe exactly. the person that knows more about the time travel does know more than I do. So that's very easy, I think, to fall into that. And then it's also very easy to, you know, that's your one ray of hope of getting back. Yeah. Is yeah. following this. So it's also possible that they don't, necessarily believe in the big picture but they just want to get home there there are yeah. so many different um layers that i do also i'm with kel i wish had been kind of explored or answered but yeah yeah i feel like even a conversation from one of them yeah. or two of them could have really clarified that for me in terms of why they still participated i feel actually the show did not really and it, maybe we'll get more into this in our sick Monus episode but mm. i do kind of in looking back wonder do wonder if there could have been more clarification as to why the characters did end up buying into what Jonas had to say. Though I do feel maybe the explanation that hey, time travels real was probably maybe enough. Yeah. But yeah. The other thing too is the show has so many characters in it that yeah. there was no way that they were going to be able to, unless the show had been longer, devote all that time to everyone. And it's just unfortunate because the actors were so good and their dialogue was so well written that we fell in love with like everyone. We wanted to yeah. know more about each character and these specific characters. So when the storytellers go on to finish the story, we're sitting here going, well, wait, go back. What about Francisca and Magnus? Tell us a little bit more. It's kind of a testament to how mm-hmm. good the show is that yeah. we are having this conversation and mm-hmm. that we all sort of care so much and are so you know detail oriented about these things yeah um that we Mm -hmm. just really want to under understand these people Mm -hmm. yeah so then one of the other notes that kel wanted to quickly add as well was that one last point on Jonas and hannah is that i disagree that Jonas killed hannah out of hatred or judgment of her i don't feel like adam killed anyone for that reason oh yeah you brought you kind of just casually brought this up in our last conversation last week i think um yes and that is i don't think we implied that either because I think that's what you asked. You said we didn't we didn't say that Adam killed her out of hatred, did we? I don't think we did. We did have a discussion where we talked about like the aspect of karma between mm-hmm. her her yeah. and and sort of not karma and the narrative link between her behaviors and the way that she mm-hmm. went out and all these sorts of things. But I definitely don't think that we intended to imply that we think that it was out of hatred or judgment that yeah, he chose to not. do that. He's too tired. <laughs> yeah, I think it was honestly... <laughs> he's, he's done, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's honestly just uh, more of a narrative device to show the link between those those things as opposed mm-hmm. to a character motivation. Yeah, yeah, he didn't he didn't do it out of hatred. I think he just did it because it needed to be done. And he he's so far removed from emotion, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just tired of the whole process. He just wants it to be over. Yeah. Yeah, I think at that point, he was just working through the motions to get to where he needed to go. Yep. He he does seem, I really, that's the middle point. You know, we talked about the point where Jonas turns into Adam. And I think that's the in-between right there where he's losing his, his sense of self as Jonas and turning into Adam, who is working working through these things to make the plot of Sigmundus come to be, you know, yeah. he's, he's fulfilling actions to get to where he needs to go next. And I think often his mom is just one of those steps because yeah. now he yeah. can take Celia and put her where she needs to be 
in order to advance things in his plot too. Do you think he's Adam there then? Or do you think he's still Jonas in process of becoming Adam? I think that's the moment he becomes Adam, actually. I think he's Yeah, we've mentioned that before. Yeah, I think think we said that that that's his Adam moment, but I don't think we ever see that moment Mm. on screen now that I think about it. What if that moment is way sooner? What if that moment is like when Marta dies? Yeah. Maybe that's it. That's interesting. I think that would be an interesting thing to go back and see, like maybe if there's a performance there that if we look through the eyes of, is this his Adam moment long before he looks like Adam? See, that's what I thought too. Wondering because, oh, that's interesting. Because then his name is the stranger, isn't it? Yeah. <gasps> oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. The stranger who's, Jonas who's is dead. Becoming mm-hmm. Adam. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So yep. that whole think... stranger process is him becoming. Because it's funny because when we see the stranger talking to Jonas in that room, he says, I can't let you out because everything that happens to you makes me me. And I yep. need to be me to get this done. He yeah. might already be Adam at that moment. Yeah. Because I think like originally I was on board with the him smothering Hannah and is his Adam transformation, except that then we found out that he was taking Noah already. He took Noah from his friend and was raising him already by that point. Correct. Or is that just my research in Sigmundus now that we've discovered that? Oh, remember he takes oh, Noah man. and is raising him like Noah is living oh, with yeah. Adam. Yeah, that's right. So I oh, think by shit. the time he smothers Hannah, He's well He's already way. Adam. Yeah. 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 So wild. Yeah. Just cool things to think about. And it, uh, it got me thinking we might not see his transformation on screen. We might not see his moment, but you might be right. It might be Marta. <sighs> That's so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One other thing that Cal wanted to say as well was that she was particularly excited for our mythology episode. Aside for the Minotaur and Ariadne references, I've also noticed on rewatches, there are many moments of Jonas and Marta looking back at each other over their shoulders. So I wondered if there was a bit of Orpheus and Eurydice influence in their story, as it is this action of turning back that yep. dooms their love. Yeah. Yeah. Which that I thought was super, super, super interesting. flipping cool. Yeah. Yeah. We did not cover that in the mythology episode. So that's worth talking about. Holy cow. There's also just a lot of the shots of uh, people's backs, which I... I that one particular shot, which we covered a little bit in the cinematography episode. Uh, so I'm going to just briefly summarize yeah. uh, the story because the, the moral of that story is trust, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that it's very interesting that to make the comparison between the two, because there is a sense of trust there, right? <gasps> oh, sorry. I'm also reading up no, that. Yeah, go on. So Eurydice was apparently, she stepped on a venomous snake and it bit her. Mm -hmm. She was dying and Orpheus was unable to save her. She descended to the underworld and Orpheus went to go and bring her back. But one of the things that he had to do in order to bring her back was that he had to lead her out of the underworld without looking back at her. Yeah, it's the... I um, remember that. Okay. the... Did you guys ever see the Robin Williams movie? Oh, yes. What Dreams May Come. What Dreams May Come. That's that tale. That's yep. that tale. And that makes so, so much sense. Good. It's so oh, good. Wow. But he does look back, right? And then they're both doomed. Yeah, it, it seems so. I'm looking at one website and the other website. Wikipedia says that he lost faith that she was still behind him. Yeah. And so he looks and back. And so he turns back and she's condemned. 
And this one says is that he finally entered the light in the upper world and turned around to hug her. And it was at that she was still in the dark when he turned around to hug her. And at that moment, she was condemned to the underworld forever. Wow. You know, this, this sounds a lot like um, the story from Genesis about Lot and his family mm. fleeing from Sodom. And they were told not to look back. And Lot's wife does and gets turned into a pillar of salt. Yes, it is very similar to the uh, story of Lot. And I, I do think that I... It, from what I remember, the first thing when this came up was it's a story about trust. So I think that it's more he d- he did doubt that she was still behind him and he looked back. Yeah, that's what I remember from from school. And I think uh, I think Kel is right. That is a really interesting comparison to make between those two specifically. They are constantly looking back, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I think also I'm surprised at the, I didn't know this story before. So I'm surprised at the link with the snake bite because immediately, of course, I think of biblical references to Eve. Yeah. Yeah. And also, oh, that's interesting. Is she her own snake then? I wonder. She's the serpent and also Eve. Who? Eva. Right? Because she shoots herself also. Doesn't she? Mm, yes, she does. She, she does. does. Yeah. Like the second time. Or no, she yeah. shoots Jonas. That's what I meant. She, she shoots Jonas, Jonas, but she does. Um, she, she cuts, cuts her herself. face, yeah. her own face. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I think that's a super cool catch. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, Cal. Also, I, I, you mentioned that we heard back from her. And I just wanted to say that uh, we really appreciate uh, you messaging and I'm very impressed by the fact that both sides are just being like, agree to disagree. We're being very respectful about it. And, you know, I I was wondering when we were going into recording this podcast, I was concerned that, you know, we might get very passionate hate mail or whatever that, you know, you get warned about, but that has not happened. And we're for that. We're very, very grateful. And also feel free to, you know, crowd up our inbox anytime. Right. I think she said that in the email. That she, she was said, worried yeah. she would be overbearing. We love over it. our discussions. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah please. No. Yeah. The please discussion do. is made so, so much uh, more thrilling by mm-hmm. being able to talk about this stuff. Like, yeah. again, I, I, I feel like I had a very one dimensional opinion about Hannah and in exploring and being forced to explore Hannah, it actually forced me to explore greater themes of the show and yep. meanings in the show that I probably, I don't know if I would have come to on my own without yeah. having to do that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. What else you got for us, Mailman? Okay, so this email comes from Rex. Hi, Rex. Hi, Rex. Hey. So this email is titled, Lots of Dark Thoughts. Sorry, this is a huge email. Never apologize for that. Never apologize for that. I'm so, so excited. I personally, yeah, I personally love the huge email. So we're just going to read this whole thing out. Yeah, we honestly, are. There's so much information in here, and it's so exciting that I feel like trying to pick and choose the ones that we talk about is just hell so yeah yeah i'm rex and i'm a huge fan of dark i'm late in finding your podcast but i finally caught up with the episode discussing hannah and i had a lot of thoughts both in regards to the episodes and the show in general okay and i apologize a lot for how long this email is but i'm honestly just excited to have someone to pick their brains over the things i love i would be thrilled if you were to read this email on an episode even though it is very long because i would like to hear all three of your thoughts on these things oh my gosh yes that's what we're here for yes yes please i'm ready a little background i've been working from home long before the pandemic and i decompress from the long hours by listening to podcasts most days 
I'm a huge fan of Dark, but I don't have anyone to talk about with it as I can't get any of my friends to watch it. And the few I do don't seem as invested in the entangled threads as I am. Cut to Rex's room, which is the Charlie wall, right? Which we all have. (laughs) All of us listening to this podcast have the Charlie wall redark. And then there are people who are like, yeah, I just couldn't get into it. Do you ever make a face? I make a face when people are like, oh, I just couldn't get into that show. And then I find myself like, dude, wipe the look of shock and weird puzzlement off your yeah yeah i was gonna say something like that but like i'm not actually you know disgusted but i'm just kind of like wait what you cannot be into this show yeah i don't talk to people other than you two so (laughs) (laughs) i don't have to make that face that works fun fact in fact a lot of them thought the ending was a bunch of plot holes and when i tried to explain a bit more about it they just shut down and said it was a bad show super disappointing that's where the disgust comes in for sure that face yeah I felt like this for a very long time Did and I was call pleased. me out for looking disgusted. <laughs> no. Cause I no. did. I was like, <laughs> no, I was just like, this is a good time to have the disgusted face. And then yeah. I looked over and I had the <laughs> disgusted there face on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I felt like this for a long time and I was pleased to see one of you commenting on a Reddit post, sharing a link to your podcast recently. I love the in-depth. Did we do that? We, I think we shared, we did that one post. We said okay. thank you, and then we linked to the show, but we haven't actually made our own yet. Okay. We're gonna. I'm cool. calling it now. We're gonna get all the way through this podcast <laughs> and still have not made a Reddit yeah. post yes. saying we have a podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> I love the in-depth discussions on the minutia as well as the research and background work the three of you put into the varied subjects because that's how I also approach the show. I've come away with a lot of personal insight into my own life and mm-hmm. how I rewatch the show, which I have several times this year, and that I never would have if not for your roundtable discussions. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I do have some things I wanted to say. Yes, let's firstly, go. disagree firstly, with us. Get into here we the go. Dirt. Let's go. Yep, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> firstly, in response to the episodes I listened to, and then bites of things I wanted to see what you thought about that live rent free in my head, both serious <laughs> and silly. <laughs> Firstly, I want to respond about Noah and Helga collectively. Yes. I'm finding that we had the same impression initially that Noah was a major figure with a hand in orchestrating all the major events. We were led to believe this early on, seeing him as the original shadowy figure who moved pieces around. I think it can be easy to think that Noah has been around all this time doing that and wholeheartedly doing the difficult things we see, but we are kind of forgetting something. I don't think he actually was around in that timeline as much as our impression leads us to believe. If you think about his age and appearance chronologically, we see that he has Charlotte taken from him, and then he begins moving around in time. He does not age more than a few years at most from this point in his life until he is then killed by Agnes. The idea that he's been around all these years kidnapping children or manipulating Helga I think is misleading. I think he maybe spends only a few weeks here and there, other than when he looks after the injured Helg for about six months. For this reason, I don't think he spent much time, i.e. decades from childhood to the 80s, with Helg, as we are led to believe. I think the majority of the time we actually see him with Helg is all about all the time he actually spent with him. He was there to nurse him back to health and teach him as a child, then began to move more frequently in time to fill the gaps in the work Adam told him to do. It's possible Helg did not see him for nearly 30 years. Yeah. As a result of this, I think it's reasonable to reason that Helg led a somewhat normal life from his childhood until the 1986 events. He seemed to have been involved with a woman and had a child, though we all wish we knew more about that. 
I'd like to think he was briefly happy. I don't think he knew or understood as much about Noah as we the viewers do. If we really think about it, he only took part in a little bit of the death of the children in the machine, a little of the time travel, but not very much. For a lot of that, he was very much in the dark. I don't think he played any major role in this until the 1986 version of himself when Eric and Yassine were taken and then dumped in the 1956 time period. So it is a little less heartbreaking to know that he did get to live something of a life away from the pain the timeline inflicted upon him until he was a man full grown and things kicked up again. I find that yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's during my rewatch I've noticed more of that, like yeah. what his specific timeline is. Yeah. And you do forget that it's time travel. Right. Yeah. Because you can pop in and say, I'm gonna come for you <laughs> when you're an adult. <laughs> like you're very important. And that yeah. time will come. And then yeah, it's possible that he wasn't seen for thirty years. Well, think of think of it this way. He he grew up in the twenties and was part of Sigmundus and got basically adopted by Adam. But then when he got to the future, he was a kid, right? Noah is like a teenager when he goes into the bunker with Elizabeth. And so he grows up in the post-apocalyptic world with Elizabeth. And only like Rex was saying, only when he's an adult, does he start time traveling and going back and kidnapping children. So I think he's right. I think it's maybe a matter of a couple of weeks, a couple of months, possibly a couple of years of him doing this work for Adam with Helga, which kind of changes the way that we view Noah because he's right. Rex is right. At the beginning, we think Noah has this huge role spanning many, many years, but really Noah doesn't even get started until after Charlotte is taken from him. Well, they do. Sorry, no, because it, He's the one, uh, he is seen, young Noah is seen back in the, the uh, 1900s, right? Or the 1800s, that first crew. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's digging. So he's back there. He references living with Adam, being raised mm-hmm. by Adam there. So I can't think that he had a normal upbringing that it has got to be entirely brainwashing that's happening there while oh, he's no. living yeah. with Adam. And then he is also that teenage age in the future. So he's already traveling and doing an insane amount of work because you're right. He is that age when he's with Elizabeth in the caves and he's there in that future. So he's going, he's traveling a lot because he's also simultaneously back in time building the thing. Yeah, he also, they refer to him as the local priest for a while when he's visiting Mikkel in the hospital. And Inez seems to know him as well. So I feel like there had to have been a period of time there that he would have built he those like relationships. there, yeah. Yeah, and he is known as residing in the Winden Church. Yeah, like he's the new priest, but he's yeah. been there for at least a, a couple of months. So right. I'd say. Yeah. So no, that's that's exactly what I'm uh, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had a normal childhood because, yes, yeah. he was in Sigmundus. He was raised by Noah. But there was that point where he was sent off. And I think even himself, his older self sent him off. And it was like, OK, this is your mission. Go. Yeah. And he goes to the future, gets in the bunker, meets Elizabeth yeah. and lives, at least from what we gather, lives the next couple of years until he's a grown man in the post-apocalyptic world yeah when he's an adult and charlotte gets taken from them that's when he starts going back and i almost got the impression that he was living in multiple timelines at the same time dude i was just about to say the same thing yeah do you you remember last week's episode with elizabeth where 
he says, she's like, where is my, where are my parents? And he responds, cave. Yeah. And that's true, but just in another time. I think there are instances where Noah is in this, I mean, obviously, because there's time travel, but there are moments where he is in the same place living there as somewhere else. And he looks the same. Because think of it this way, too. So many characters in the show have a young, middle-aged, and old self. Noah only has a young and middle-aged self. Yeah. So I think most of his time travel was when he was a grown man, and he was doing it kind of in the same amount of time because we don't see him age very much. Yeah. Uh, So when you say most of his traveling was done, you mean when he was a teenager? When he was an adult. Oh, okay. After After Charlotte Charlotte is taken. taken. Yeah. And he starts going like crazy epic string yeah string see, theory. i don't know if that's true because i because we see noah in all the timelines yeah right wait we see young noah do we see young noah in 86 so no or, so sorry, young noah in the 80s no so i think according to the way that i interpreted the timeline what i understood was that he was raised by adam and then was in that timeline there in like the early 1920s i think and then he's sent directly to the future where he yeah. stays in the future yeah. until he has Charlotte. Charlotte's taken. He's friends with Jonas at that time. Yeah. Charlotte's taken. And then he goes to Adam and says, OK, I'm going to do your stuff. And at that point, he's in middle age. And that's when he does the majority of his time travel. That's sort of how okay. I understood okay. it. Yeah, yeah um, that's um, exactly what I'm saying. I agree yep. with that. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. So he kind of skips over all of that, that time. And then yeah. he goes back to those previous timelines or yeah, years and kind of works through them with the kidnapping and the being the priest yeah. in Winden and all of that. Yeah. And, and I think um, Rex brings up a good point that Helg may have had a somewhat normal life until yeah. things kick off. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's uh, Noah doesn't show up. It's possible that he didn't see him for 30 years. It's true. For some reason in my brain, I associated his relationship with Helg. It's so intense. Helg trusts him so much that it seems like Noah spent more time with him than just a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Or we, we said it was six months when yeah, I think so, they yeah. spent time together. But really, when you're when you're isolated with, yeah. I, I want to say, captor, you get, I mean, that's a very long time of constant exposure. Yeah. Yes. When you're that to, young as yeah, well. Yeah. Especially when you're that impressionable. And also you've seen things. And his family yeah. was not that great either. Yeah. Like, like this, is mom. A, this is standard for non-time travel. Exactly. I can look at that and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then add in the fact that Helg walks out and the world is different. Dude, I'd believe anything that, that whoever told me. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it too, man. I yep. walk out and all of a sudden time travel's real. And then you take me back and nobody thinks it's possible. Holy cow. I've seen an angel. I've seen whatever you're going to tell me you are. I'm going to believe something. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very good people point. People do that. People do that with other people who have absolutely no power and exactly. do nothing. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So imagine actually seeing something. Holy cow. Yeah. So I also think that it taught him to truly love and care for Peter, who came to town shortly after these events transpired, which by the way, how awful is it for Peter to have come to meet his father for the first time only to find he was in a horrific accident right after experiencing the tragic loss of his mother? Yeah. It really breaks my heart to think of their lives. I do not think the accident caused any major mental damage for Helg as he was able to raise Peter. Peter would have been in foster care if his father was unable to care for him as a minor. Mm-hmm. And he does have a working knowledge of his father's life when he's an adult. And they have a good relationship. Yeah, which leads me to believe they had a caring bond. 
I think his eventual decay of his mental state came on in old age, as Charlotte does say Helg has dementia, which generally, though not always, comes in old age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think I like to think that too, because I remember thinking back and all we really see of Helg is a very damaged and quiet, reserved young boy. And then he doesn't speak. And then we see adult Helg who's just out of his out of his mind. So it was hard for me to see from Peter's point of view, because Peter's very emotionally attached. Like they clearly yeah. have a good relationship. So when I think like, oh, okay. What was Helg like? And we'll never know. I don't think we'll ever get to know what Helg was like as a parent. But I I love that about this show, that they will show us that Peter has a good relationship with his dad. Yeah. So we know that there was something, there was a Helg there that we didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe he has dementia or maybe time travel has ruined his brain. We don't know. Yeah. It's wild. Back to Noah, Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, we take away that he's generally a beloved and not reviled character, as we the viewer grew to understand that he was a pawn. I do fault him for his actions, but he was very much pushed into the situation somewhat against his will. It is easy to simplify him to being a child murderer or kidnapper, but I don't think he even truly understood the part he played in the Infinity Loop. It's so easy also to forget that. Because yeah. it's fiction and because we yeah. see like everything else in his life, it's easy to forget he fucking murdered children. Yeah. Yeah. To get his yeah. one child back. You know, he was making a decision. It's like drunk drivers. The trolley. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like drunk drivers. You in that moment, if you're getting behind the wheel and you are wasted, you are choosing your life over somebody else's. And yep. it's awful. Yeah. Terrible. And that's what he's doing there. He's like, my child's life is worth more than these children. And I think that's a disgraceful. Yeah. I, I think love so you, too. Noah. I love you as a character. I love I love you so much. But there are moments where I need to remember that it's easy to be like, yeah, but he didn't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He knew enough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He was by no means a zealot, but a desperate father who was being offered the carrot by Adam. The idea that if he were to do what he's told and follow the diary events to the letter, he would find Charlotte. He says about as much when he finally does find his daughter that he did not understand that she was there all along. I think a big part of his soul suffered when he finally got those remaining pages that showed what the make of his life was. That is why we see him in the total breakdown of faith when he tries to kill Adam instead of trying to break the loop and return to his wife and daughter given how able he is to time travel freely. Yeah. I don't think he kidnapped Yassine to isolate Elizabeth either. I think if even if Yassine had never been taken. I have a thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought this a lot about Noah. And since it's come up, I think I'll talk about it. I don't think he thinks he's actually going to kill Adam. I think he's killing himself in that moment because he is ashamed of what he's done. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think he's saying I'm going to kill you and I'm going to stop you. But I think in his heart, after everything he's seen, he knows he won't be able to stop him. Yeah, yeah. And also very important that one scene between Noah and Jonas where Noah shows Jonas that you can't kill yourself. Mm -hmm. You are a slave to the timeline and he illustrates by shooting the wall Yeah, and then Jonas can't kill himself. Yep. So that you will not be killed. And I think he knows that and I think he's just so overwhelmed with the truth and what he has done and that he was a pawn that he just goes through the motions Yeah. so that he can Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if in the moment where Agnes pulls out the gun, if he wonders whether or not it's truly the end for him, like if it won't go off yeah. the way that yeah. it did. And then when it does, he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Oof. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think even if Yassine had never been taken, he wouldn't have survived the apocalypse to begin with, nor do most childhood crushes tend to stay in our lives at that age. I think the book said, take this child, put him in the machine, and he just obeyed. He may not have even known the personal connection. It doesn't excuse yeah. it. And I think for the most part, it was a cruel coincidence. While I believe the writers did not write anything they did not wholly intend to mean, the meaning I take from it is just the pure tragedy of the whole picture, especially when we examine each strand of it, not unlike knowing the tragedy of Ulrich's life story. I don't think it was purely out of malice that Elizabeth had feelings for Yassine. No one never struck me as that kind of person. The children were always destined to die, which is just awful, and I don't think even Adam or the Unknown chose them the former being the puppeteer and the latter being the author of the book Noah uses to instruct his actions and which children to take and when. It's just the loop predetermining itself somehow in a very meta way. Okay, yeah, of course, it's the, it's the whole, yeah. it's the bootstrap paradox, right? right. Like, where's the origin point? There can't yeah. be There's no decision point. being yep. made because they're going off of the book, but then mm -hmm. the book came from a decision, but then the decision came from the book. Yeah. Bootstrap paradox. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So I think we specifically said that we believed Adam had made that decision and intentionally picked these children to set things in motion. But yes, ultimately what it comes down to, I think, is the bootstrap paradox and how it was always the way it was going to be. And so it happened that way. There was no yeah. actual decision made. Yeah. The machine. I'm still struggling to understand wholly how the early machines functioned. Maybe you can offer some insight, or maybe yeah. we'll speak on it in a future episode, but the stage of the machines I struggle with are the ones Noah is testing with the children. Yes. I just don't understand how they're needed other than to necessitate a storyline with missing children to draw us in as viewers. The following iteration of the machine once Helga's sent back jumps to being the one that requires a cell phone to operate. I also don't know how the passage fits into those mechanics. If you have any answers, please, please let me know. Otherwise, I'll just suspend disbelief and let myself think of it as time magic in a TV series. <laughs> I get especially confused as to how Noah time travels if he's inventing the machine and yet jumps between the 50s and 80s and 2010s effortlessly at the same age. If he had that machine available, why didn't he just go back to stop his daughter from being taken to begin with instead of listening to Adam? Blind faith? Yeah. I'd like to hear your thoughts. So a couple things. We do have a science and time travel episode that mm -hmm. we're going to be doing in the future. So we'll mm -hmm. talk about that in detail because, yes, that was the chair was actually something I struggled with as well, because when you first watch it, you're thinking exactly that. Like, why don't you just go use the time machine that already exists that you've already been a part of? But I think we mentioned this in one of our episodes, how the work that was being done in the 80s with the time machine in the bunker led to the technology that was used later which ended up being yeah. across the timelines. Yeah. So yeah. that is actually the point of origin, even though it comes into play in the other timelines. It's, it's weird. It's like, to, to quote Doctor Who, it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes sense because, and this is also, I think, why we ended up thinking Noah spent a stretch of time in certain yes. places, because it, in the beginning, when they could time travel, it was only through that tunnel. And yes. that tunnel, yeah. the event only happened on certain days and every times. Every 33 years, every right? Well, y when you went through it, you could only travel every 33 years. Right. But do you want to know what made the door open? The fucking missing children trying to yeah. be sent back. So that is, in my opinion, one of the reasons why Adam said, we are going to try this child on this date. Because this yeah. is the date you travel to. And right now we can only go 33 years forward or 33 years back. But kids have to go missing on this date. 
because that energy that we're using to try to send them somewhere is, uh, is allowing other people to travel in the tunnels. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So they yeah. are directly connected to, mm-hmm. and then it yeah. isn't until it isn't until the future when they are able to go a little bit more freely. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that episode, yeah. by the way, when we really start to like track that out, it's going to be super fun. Yeah. So hopefully that's enough to yeah. sate you until we <laughs> get to that episode. In the Inez episode, you talked briefly about how she had the letter and the others didn't know about it. Well, I personally don't think she was in Sigmundus because I felt her reaction to finding out his truth was genuinely heartbroken as she read the letter. I think I might have a plausible explanation why only she knew about the letter itself. We know from the very first episode she has a bad relationship with Hannah. While it could be easily explained that she pulled away from the family when her son died suddenly and tragically, it could also be reasoned that this animosity always existed. Although we do know Jonas was the one to find his father in that state, it's not unheard of that Inez might be able to pull a few strings at the police station where her father once worked to be given the letter and keep that secret from Hannah. I wonder if she resented Hannah in part for taking Mikael from her. I don't have any negative thoughts towards Inez, but many mother-in-laws do act like that, you know? So in Mm -hmm. that last bit of defiance, she may have wanted to keep Mikael's last wishes to herself and not be willing to share it with Hannah. The weird flaw in this suggestion is that Ulrich ought to have known about the letter being in the police department himself, and it would be weird that he didn't tell Hannah given they were having a sexual relationship, unless he grappled with the guilt of addressing that her husband had only recently died and he was keeping this from her. It's all very entangled, like a lot of dark. Well, the thing is, is like he can't. Yeah. He cannot tell her if it's part of an investigation, he can't tell her. But also like if the letter was instructed to be given to Inez... Yeah. To hold, which let's be honest, that's how Jonas gets it. Yeah. So he yeah. probably is like, okay, this is then what we need to do. You need to make yeah. sure that this goes to mom or your mom when you when you do it. And then, you know, those are the instructions because that's how I got it. I got it from her. Yeah. So it's that's just really gonna be point. he's gonna loop it back uh onto uh and also I think we see the I think we see the box at her door being left at her door and she opens the door and picks it up. I just did a re- rewatch. Oh, okay, I'm pretty sure okay. there's a scene where that happens, where she opens it and sees the box and then picks like it up. Someone, Perfect. Someone like somebody dropped it off. Yeah. yeah. So in my opinion, that's Jonas or the stranger rather. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. I buy that for yeah. sure. So I think it's just because that's the way it was done. That's how he mm-hmm. received it. And he wanted to make sure that that didn't change. So that's yeah. why Inez got it. Okay. Now I just have some questions I wanted to ask just because I have rewatched a lot and don't entirely know the answers myself, some of which feel open-ended to viewer interpretations. In the Ava world, what factors led to Regina dying so much earlier? We jump in at the same time as Jonas's story begins, but in this world, instead of finding a cancerous lump, she's already gone. It seems so small, but with her being so important to the entire trifecta of worlds, I wonder just what changed. Such a good question. That's such a good yeah. question. I have no clue. <laughs> well, let's let's start back. Oh man, I love shit like this. Thank oh. you so much, Rex. Yep. Yeah, go. you got it. I was go. just gonna say. Okay, so I was just gonna say. You know, we we talked uh, in the we've talked over the episodes about how we talked about the timeline being very poisonous, and that might be a representation of her cancer is how poisonous it was. Maybe it's indicative of Ava's world being more poisonous than Adam's. Ooh. I don't know. Huh. Oh, boy. Because she does. I mean, we have this sort of image of Ava's world as so Ava wants to continue the timeline so everyone can live. And Adam wants to end the timeline so that this 
hell is now over. Yeah. And I wonder if there's maybe something poetic about the idea of holding on to something that's poisonous for so long that it maybe it kills you faster. Oh, that is such an interesting theory. And I'm so into it. Yeah, I'm so into it because, oh, oh man. Okay, I'm going to back you up. Okay. (laughs) The last episode of the whole series is about letting go. Oh, full body chills, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The last episode is about letting go. They even have that dialogue. Will people remember us? They're talking about the fear of dying and moving on or letting go. And it's like, well, yes. And also that cheers a world without wind in will still haunt me. Yeah. I am not satisfied with any answer so far personally that I found as to why she says a life without Wyndon. We've talked a little bit about it, but I feel like there's still something there. Allowing, well, if you think about it from the perspective of the last episode being about letting go, yeah, the idea of letting go as another personification of that, like letting go of Wyndon, a world without Wyndon, that things can exist without this and that yeah. we are okay with that maybe i don't know yeah mm. but you're right it's still a question that i i have as well is like what does they meant the something by that mean yeah. yeah they meant it it wouldn't be the one of the last lines in the whole series if it didn't have meaning and yeah. i'm just trying to reconcile that still in my current rewatch i'm looking for everything and i think it might be be a situation of uh metaphor where it's like a life without secrets a life without Mm. deceit yeah are these things inherent to life yeah and cheers to a life without all of that yeah cancer you know a life life without that poison so that's interesting that's very interesting cool wow yeah Mm. that's a very good question Okay. Also, why is Regina the key? While I understand that Adam and Ava did not know who her real father was, why did Claudia, knowing this information, offer her the key to untangling the knot? My own best guess being because her parentage is dependent on the Nielsen tangle, but I'm still a bit lost there. Well, we cover that in another episode, so I think they're probably at that by that point, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 We definitely go into detail onto that. But just to summarize, I think we had collectively liked the theory that Regina and maybe some other people represent the origin world of Tanhouse is the uh is the god yeah or you know if it's all fracturing from that origin point from that car accident then Regina is representative of that yeah and so she's dying which I think does feed back into the theory that I just posed yeah. which is this idea of if Ava is trying to hold on to something that is so poisonous that it just kills you faster yeah yeah and I think uh they say that a couple of times throughout the show so you've given me something to dive onto and chew on mergs mm. because i am now thinking of all the times they said you are poison or this town is poison i know francisca yep. says it i know mm-hmm. that ulrich says it to hannah uh katarina so, says it yep katarina says it too so it's that's a very interesting thought and also just because we've been talking about myths where marta's bitten by a poisonous snake you know all this kind of stuff it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Or even just the basic idea that the serpent is po- whispers poisonously in your yeah. ear. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of trapped in this loop. So, yeah, that's that's very, very interesting. Why in Apha's world did Aegon go to help Hannah during her miscarriage anyways? It's such a weird, unexplained detail when I think about it. In this world, he had no connection to Hannah or the lost child at all. But Ava seemingly brought him into Eretlux just to have him go and be with her and presumably save her from the apocalypse. But 
Why? I have a feeling it was deleted for time, but the two of them served no further purpose that we saw in the time loop, and it must have been so weird to Hannah that a long-dead, drunk, useless cop came out of nowhere to help her during the end of the world as she knew it. In Adam's world, I'd understand better knowing they had an affair and a child together, but in Ava's, it's bizarre to me. So I think Ava, they do this a couple of times in the show, where they show that people still have a weird line, a red thread between them. We see it between Benny and Peter. We see them together no matter what. We see it with Francisca and Magnus. We see Ulrich and Hannah, that whole, and Katarina, that whole triangle continuing and looping. And then we see a couple of other people that I think we have decided are just drawn to each other. There's just a supernatural element that is weaving and tying and knotting where people look and go, you're familiar, but I can't place why, or I'm comforted by you and I don't know why. So personally, that's what I think. I think because Ava is privy to information in both worlds. She's aware uh, of everything. So I think part of that is I know that you will have a connection with this person, at least some of the decisions that are made, because I think they also choose certain people to go and get other people. Like she chooses Magnus, older adult Magnus to go get younger Marta, knowing that that's going to have a pull. So I think that that's probably what's happening here. We also don't know uh, Hannah's purpose in the post-apocalypse world um, and why she needs to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, except that's something for, that I thought, oh no, because she doesn't have Celia then. Well, that's, that's what I yeah. was in thinking Ava's world? actually. Yeah. I think that's Who is her child? what may be happening there because in Ava's world, Hannah gets together with Ulrich. Ulrich never goes missing the same way so i don't think hannah has time traveled yet yeah she's with ulrich she gets pregnant the apocalypse comes and it it seems that she's having a miscarriage and rex is right ava sends Aegon to her and we don't see anything after that she's bleeding Aegon arrives and i think as far as i remember they did have this moment where they share they look at each other and there's something in that gaze almost like what you were talking about pb where there's like a uh, a recognition or a connection or something. Yeah. I wondered if it was implied that Hannah lost her child with Ulrich, Aegon's great grandson or whatever. Yeah. And Aegon comes to her and they would get together and she would have Celia. Um, yeah. I'm very confused now because I, it just occurs to me like, does Celia doesn't exist in Ava's world as far as we see, right? Right. I don't think we ever see her. So and then she she's having this kid with possible Ulrich. to have. Yes. Uh, like, okay. So we also talked about at the end of, of dark, how it's possible that Hannah would be having a version of Jonas because of the genetics involved or because of, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe it's the same thing where either she's not having a miscarriage and because she got together with someone from the Nielsen line, she's still having a version of Celia or she's having a miscarriage and getting together with Aegon in the apocalypse would almost be kind of like a like a Noah Elizabeth situation where they have Charlotte in the apocalypse. Hannah and Aegon would have Celia in the apocalypse in Ava's world. Yeah, that's weird. I, that's a good question. I don't know where I sit on that. And that's honestly something that I, I like bookmarked to explore in later episodes once we had like gone through the whole series again and we yeah. did a rewatch and we're looking at these bigger themes. That was something I was going to try to figure out or at least figure out how I feel about it. Yeah. So in Ava's world, 
it shows Aegon, dude, what? It still shows a line between Hena and Aegon. Whoa, what? How is that possible? Maybe it's that scene. Because think about it. Hena is the same age in Ava's world. She is the same age as she is in Adam's world when she time travels and gets pregnant with Aegon. Except in Ava's world, Aegon is older. Yeah, but she's not time traveling, right? Yeah. Like she doesn't have a, a single clue. No, my point is that she's still physically capable of getting pregnant. You know, she is pregnant yeah. in Ava's world. And in Adam's world, that is still the same age that she traveled back to the 50s and hooked up with Aegon and got pregnant with Celia. So at least like biologically, I think men are able of producing children longer than women are because their reproductive system is not dependent on a limited number of eggs and menopause. So I think it's possible that they would have gotten pregnant in the the apocalypse because Hannah's still at an age where she can conceive. Yeah, but I just don't buy that she would get with old Aegon. I gotta be honest. I know, that's what's tripping me up too. Like, why is he there? Yeah, I I honestly, I think the only reason... So, I think he is there because he was sent there by Ava, right? And I think that the interaction that they have physically with their faces to... It's just Aegon doing that thing that he does where he's like, you're familiar and I don't can't place why. I never forget a face. He says that. And yes, I know that he didn't have an affair with her in this reality, but Aegon, remember back to that, he might be of that special timeline representing the origin world or representing you, the viewer, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Like, I, I, I just think it was a moment where he's like, hey, and they seem to have a connection there. And I think, I mean, obviously that's purposeful. The directors left that scene in. Yeah. I think Rex might be right. There might be deleted stuff there that we just didn't get to see. Maybe yeah. it was cut for time. That third season was packed. There was a yeah. lot yes. in there. So I'd, I'd be interested to know more. But I think at this point, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a great question, though. Yeah. And I, I did, yeah, thank you for clocking that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we can leave it there and we'll, we'll come back to it if we yep. encounter more information that will help uh, flesh that answer out. Yeah, we'll sit on that one. All right. Rex goes on to say, and I wanted to put out some things to think about that I personally found interesting or worth a chuckle. In a previous episode, someone threw out the question, why do you think the show starts in the loop where it does? I think it's because we pick up the story from Jonas's narrative. We follow him almost entirely chronologically from the start and experience the time loop unfolding as he sees it, only then branching out to show us glimpses of how these things he sees begin to affect the time he's currently experiencing. We see Mikkel in 86 first, and then we truly understand through Jonas the emotional depth of when he learns it. Only when he dies is the baton of narrative passed to Ava Marta, who carries through the remaining parts of the loop as they move on. I love it. I love that too, but I actually think that it's literally just mirroring. I think Mm. they knew we see Jonas, and then we're going to see Altworld, and then we're going to work to the middle. Yeah. Beginning is the end. Because they Mm. spent so much time mirroring Marta and Jonas so that we would see one and the other. And they did such a good job like waiting to reveal that there is not only are we doing time travel, but there are other worlds. There yeah. are three. We yeah. see three. But yeah, that is, that is so that is so good. Yeah. Speaking of Jonas, how mm-hmm. weird is it that the Jonas, the one who was shot in Eret Lux, managed to sleep with both iterations of Marta? Stranger Adam Jonas only slept with his own world one. In that sense, Adam is and isn't the father of the unknown at all. Weird, but it made me laugh a little for some reason. Yeah, I'm just going to say that season three is 
a part of dark that I still have to fully wrap my brain around because there was a lot going on yeah, in that a lot. season. <laughs> a lot happened there. Also, I just don't like the unknown. We'll get there, I know, but... Yeah. Yeah. I wish he was more unknown. Yeah. Or yeah. non-existent. Yeah. I'm, I'm raising my glasses cartoonishly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> in the origin world, we see Berndt clearly left his wife to live with Claudia and his daughter Regina. How weird do you think that was for Helg? I mean, his dad had a daughter with a girl Helg's age, and Regina is technically his half-sister. Must have been really strange for him. Yeah, I think we touched on that. Yeah. Just how it was. I think I think we landed on the fact that Burned must have left Retta much later because I think there's probably, I don't know, like 15 years difference between him and Claudia, if yeah. I had to guess. So like oh. she would have had to have been possibly 20, 20s or so, which means that he would have lived most of his life and raised Helg. I'm thinking through this. I think they got together when she was working at the plant. Yeah, but in the origin world, the plant doesn't exist. So they would have met still somehow. But I'm, I think oh. we land on the fact that he didn't get together with Claudia until she was older. Yeah. Why is he there? Yeah, why? Why? Well, maybe he just has a totally different job. Yeah, I was just going to say if, if yeah. that's possibly has a totally different reason for being there. Yeah, I guess Super just what I'm saying is... Helg and Claudia are the same age. So mm -hmm. when Claudia and Burns got together, Claudia was an adult, which means Helg was an adult too. So Helg would be getting the stepmom who is his age when he was already an adult. So yes, it would have been weird, but also he would have not been a kid anymore. Honestly, according to like half of Pornhub users, doesn't probably wasn't that weird for Helg. <laughs> probably it was pretty exciting, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, though, because Helg kind of it seems like Helg, at least in the in Jonas's world, Adam's world, he fancies her a little bit. Right? Yeah. So oh, I do, yeah, true. So does. that's where the weird thing would mm -hmm. come in. Well, again, according, according to Pornhub, <laughs> well, I think it's still fits. I got to be honest. It's still, still there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do think it's a little bit strange and also potentially I don't know. I think I may have gone back on that. I don't know if he fancies her so much as he knows or senses that she might be the one getting them out of all of this. Mm. Right? Because oh, he knows yeah. about her. He gives her the book because he knows that he has to give her the book. He yes. does some things because he knows she's going to be an important traveler and she's going to be doing things. And he, I think yep. he's aware. Yeah. So I think he just, I think he, it's admiration and maybe you just, maybe you can do what I couldn't do. Also, they yeah. both worked at the plant together. So mm -hmm. he, he grew up with her. He got tutored by her. Yeah. He worked at the plant with her. He learned that she was integral to the timeline, all mm -hmm. in the in Adam's and Ava's world. So in the origin world, that's totally different. He probably just knew of her because they grew up together. Maybe she still tutored him. But then after that, they went off on their own two ways. Yeah. Well, they do show us when they, I just remembered when they're very young and he's being tutored that he very much fancies her as well because yeah. he gets upset when uh, Trant comes into the picture. But again, I yeah. wonder if it's that everybody's kind of drawn to each other. They show it a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. And we clocked it originally with Magnus where we're like, that's not OK. He's stalking her and that's weird. But then they yeah. continue to show this weird, strange I'm drawn to this person for some reason, uh, supernatural element added into other characters and their relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, mm. I think it's kind of sad to think about, but Aegon hated Ulrich so much, even though he kind of raised his father, Trant. 
I wonder if that ever played into his bias against him consciously outside of the Ulrich who he arrested tainting his bias too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't really know about that one. Yeah. Oh, it's an interesting thing to think about, but. And what Hmm. really happened to Regina after Claudia disappeared and Egon was killed? We know it happened on the same night, but we never see how Regina went on with her life until 2019. She was barely 16, I think, so I wonder if she ended up in the system or something until she was legally an adult, and if Alexander looked after her or something, which strengthened their bond. I love them. I also can't imagine what kind of a loss, a total loss of family did to her. I wish the show spent more time with Regina. Mm, Yeah, agreed. We love her. I feel like she was probably, what, 16 when her mom disappeared? Yeah. She was you know, well into high school. So I wonder if she just stayed with a friend. I mean, it's a very small town. So I feel like she could have just stayed with an adult friend of the family until people wanted to address. Because the other thing, too, is I don't know. I don't know how that works, because I know that there has to be a legal announcement sometimes. Like you have to pronounce her dead, not missing. Oh, yeah. Or you to be adopted or for you to go somewhere else. So it is a small town. So maybe potentially they she was staying with a friend. Alexander's already in the picture, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I and think he's so. Older, so I personally think she stayed with Alexander. Yeah, he was working already, making an income. I think she just went and stayed there. And um, yeah, and people were just cool with it because you're right. Her mom was missing, not pronounced dead, and she was taken care of like. Yeah. Everyone would have known each other, probably. Right. I personally like, think they probably dragged their feet in making anything legal. Because, yeah, yeah, it's a small town and we do do that. I'm from a very tiny town and we did have an instance very similar to that where it was like two years. The police were just like, yeah, you can, you know, we're just going to let that person in school stay with friends because otherwise it's going to disrupt everything. They might go to another yeah. county if we put them in the system and it's like you know, a horrific accident that, you know, robbed them of both their parents. So let's just like chill until yeah they're happy with their fucking grandparents. So let's just leave them there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I will say, however, that uh, someone who has been experiencing the German bureaucracy for the last bureaucratic oh, yeah, system true. for the past uh-huh. two years, boy, do Germans love for things to be legal immediately right away. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I, wonder, so I, wonder. I wonder if maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't considered that. And it might be very different there. Yeah, could be interesting to look into. Yeah. In terms of how that would go. Mm. All right. Sorry for the super long email. I've just had a lot of this in my head and I want to talk in an open dialogue with others who are coming from the same place as me. I wanted to say again that I love the podcast and can't wait for the rest of the episodes now that I'm caught up. I also wanted to say that I'm also transgender like Bernadette and that I'm super thrilled to hear how you address her in the right pronouns and understanding her identity respectfully and how rare that is in most open dialogue situations, let alone a podcast. So that made me really happy. You can totally read my email and respond to anything that resonates with you. And you can use my name and thoughts too. I'm crying. Thank you so much. Can't wait to hear more, Rex. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Rex, for your beautiful email. Yes. Yes. I'm glad that we were able to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. Wonderful. I have stuff to think about too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Rex. Um, and that's it for our radio winden today. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. So we'll see you guys next week for um six months. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care about shoutouts, right? You on Radio Winden. They know who we are. You know yeah. where to find us. Come find yeah. us, please. We we adore you and it makes our day whenever somebody emails or sends a message. Uh, if you would like to email us, 
please feel free to do so. It makes our lives. Uh, email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at Radio Winden, or individually, Merkel's Pumpkinberry and Acorn Bandit. Yeah, and we'll see you next yeah. week for the actual episode. Yeah. Ta-ta. Bye. Cheerio. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into Radio Winden. See you next time.